Well, I know what you're thinking. How can a guy be wearing pink have a straight face? Okay? It's rose, okay? It's not pink. It's rose. And uh, the church uh, encourages her ministers to tote out this color twice a year. Once during Advent, on the third Sunday of Advent, Gaudete Sunday, and then also in Latare Sunday, which is the fourth Sunday in Lent. So Advent and Lent, it's brought out, and uh, it's, a, it's a test for the priest to see whether or not he's secure in his masculinity. So... Well, the third, the third Sunday of Advent, we call it Gaudete Sunday because it is a Sunday where we kind of take a little break. You know, Advent is supposed to be a serious time, like I preached during the first Sunday of Advent. It's supposed to be kind of a serious time. And we're vigilant, we're preparing, we're waiting for the great joyful feast of Christmas that's coming soon. Uh, but what we do here on Gaudete Sundays, we take uh, a little break from the from the kind of intensity, and we anticipate the joy of Christmas. And so the, this color is supposed to represent joy. So this Sunday, the theme is joy, and uh, we see it in our first reading: the ransomed of the Lord they return to Zion with great joy. And uh, with gladness, and that joy, that word joy in the Latin Bible is, has, is gaudium, has to do with the verb gaudete, which means rejoice. Okay, so that's the name of that's where the Sunday gets its name from. And uh, why are we rejoicing? Well, there's a lot to rejoice about. I, I ask the Lord, in all seriousness, for the grace to be able to convey to us tonight and to speak about the greatness of Christianity. You know, I, I think that Christmas, more than maybe even Easter in a certain sense, uh, Easter being kind of the more important, certainly historically the more important of the two feasts, uh, but in a certain sense, Christmas in the minds of modern people at least, it really represents Christianity. Okay, Christmas, I think, more than any other feast, it really it sums up Christianity. And uh, so we have reason to rejoice in Christmas because we've got reason to rejoice in the Christian faith. Uh, why? Why? Because God has become one of us and he's in our midst. He's present to us. That's the, that's the essence of Christmas. That's the essence of Christianity and that's why we have reason to rejoice. John the Baptist, uh, the Lord speaking about John the Baptist in our gospel text today, he says that among women, among those born of women, sorry, among those born of women, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. What does he, what does he mean there? What's he talking about? Well, the kingdom of heaven is what Christ refers to the church as. So the Christian church in the Gospel of Matthew is often referred to as the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking about the least member 
of the church. The least one of Jesus' followers is greater than John the Baptist. You see, John the Baptist was a great prophet. He was greater than all the Old Testament prophets. The Old Testament prophets, as we see in our first reading from Isaiah, they prophesied about this era of joy that the Messiah was going to bring about. An era of joy within which the lame would walk and the deaf would hear and the blind would see and these different miracles would be evidenced. And... Jesus comes and he's talking in the gospel. I'm the fulfillment of these things. Tell John, okay, if anybody's got any doubts about whether or not I'm not, whether or not I'm the Messiah, okay, I fulfill these prophecies that we heard about from our first reading, okay? So, so John is even greater though than the prophets. Because the prophets, they foresaw Christ, but John was the bridge between the Old Testament prophets and the New. He was the, the last and the final and the greatest of Old Testament prophets. And he actually beheld the Messiah with his eyes. Whereas Isaiah and the Old Testament prophets just saw Jesus in vision. So John undoubtedly is a great, great prophet. But he's still not a member, technically, of the New Testament or the New Covenant era. He's not a follower of Jesus. Jesus really began his ministry in earnest after John was thrown into prison. And John never got to see these miracles. He just heard about them. You see? Whereas Jesus' immediate disciples saw these miracles being worked by him. What an awesome privilege to see what thousands of years of prophets longed for, hoped for, prophesied about, worked and labored and taught and, and, and ministered, all for the purpose that a future generation would see these miracles. And so, we Christians, we are privileged to the miracles of Christ, especially the miracle of His resurrection from the dead. This is an amazing, amazing privilege. And John's baptism, here's another reason to rejoice. John's baptism was a mere symbol of God's grace, but it didn't impart the real thing. Christian baptism, on the other hand, gives the real thing. Christian baptism was prophesied about. Just like the prophets foresaw Jesus Christ, they foresaw the sacraments. How how amazing, how incredible is that? Now, I, I'm going to use this homily to kind of do yet one more advertisement for this book. i got to push it, because when Christmas time comes, we're going to be giving out 500 of these things, and if no one knows what they are, we're going to be in trouble. Okay, I'm going to have 500 books sitting in my rectory. So, uh, I, want to, I want to kind of promote this book here by uh, Matthew Kelly. It's a very good book, I think, for... Uh, Catholics who've kind of been away from the church, maybe, you know, it's sort of like a, an introduction to the appreciation of what we have in the Catholic Church. And he goes over many different topics, and he kind of, it's interesting because he goes through his own life story. He's written many other books before this one, this is his latest one, where he gives a lot of um, uh, advice on how to live the Christian life. 
But in this book, he does that, but he does it by way of speaking about his own personal history, which is, which is quite interesting. When he was a teenager, he had uh, really a divine intervention in his life. An older uh, Catholic, uh, a doctor, in fact, a medical doctor, um, met him at a party, uh, you know, a social get-together, get and kind of started probing him and probing where he was in his spiritual life and in his moral life and kind of got on his case in a friendly way and befriended him and started encouraging him. You know, he began by saying, hence the title of the, of the book, Resisting Happiness, he began by saying, Matt, you're not happy. And he said, what? No, I am, I am. And he says, no, I don't think you are. And he eventually kind of came around and he says, you know, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. And he says, this is what you're missing. And so then he talked about the grace of God. And the truth of the faith. Now, Matthew Kelly grew, grew up Catholic, but you know, many Catholics grow up Catholic and they don't appreciate Catholicism. Okay, I, maybe that's an understatement, but in any event, that's that's the reality. So he said, "I challenge you this." And, now, and also, Matthew Kelly went to a Catholic school as well. He says, "On your way to class, stop by the chapel in the morning every day and just sit there for 15 minutes. I, ch- I challenge that. I challenge you to do that. See if that makes a difference in your life." He didn't even really teach him how to pray or say anything about prayer. And so, believe it or not, he did. He started doing that. He just came into the chapel and he sat down in the back. And he just sat there for 15 minutes. Started thinking about his homework and just things that he had to do. And he was just sitting there. He kept doing that. Kept doing that. Little by little, he started saying, Wait a second, I'm in a church. What are you doing at church? You're praying at church. So he started praying. And so his, his spiritual life really started unfolding from there. Daily prayer. And so he begins with that topic, and he goes over, you know, if you think about it, my brothers and sisters, what we have in the Eucharist is something incredible. We have the Blessed Sacrament reserved in our tabernacles in every Catholic church throughout the world. And you can walk into a Catholic church, and you can visit Jesus Christ the incarnate Savior, the incarnate God, the creator of the universe. The God who created the universe became a man, and here he is, ten feet away from you. Pretty awesome. I mean, that's reason to really get excited. That's reason to be joyful, to rejoice. You know, I think of uh, one of the most greatest manifestations of God in the Old Testament is the burning bush when God speaks to Moses through the burning bush. That was light shows. That wasn't the real thing. That was God putting on a light show for Moses. And how awestruck was Moses? God says to him, take off your shoes for where you're standing is holy ground. And Moses couldn't even look at the burning bush because of the holiness that was present to him. That was light shows. That wasn't the real thing. That was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, the God-man, become incarnate through Mary, burning with love for us and His sacred heart, present here in our taber- tabernacles, in our churches. It's amazing. Come and visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and pray to Him. So Matthew Kelly speaks about prayer. He speaks about regular Bible reading. He speaks about the importance of continual learning. It's a beautiful thing about the Catholic faith. By far, it's the most intellectually rich religion on the face of the planet. By far, nothing compares to it. 
Okay? You could study and learn about Roman Catholicism your whole life and you wouldn't be scraping the surface of it. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, he talks about the sacraments. How amazing is the Eucharist? How amazing is the sacrament of reconciliation? Think about this. This is what's amazing about all the sacraments. They bring us Jesus present to us in our midst. Now, many people feel reconciliation is kind of this onerous thing, kind of a burden. Oh, no, i got to go tell my sins, okay? But think about it this way. It's true that you got to go tell your sins, okay, in the sacrament of reconciliation. And this man, he's a man just like you, he's been empowered to forgive sins. But it's also true that it's Jesus Christ who is using this man as an instrument to touch you, to enter into your life, to have a personal encounter with you. Think about that. Saturdays from 2.45 to 3.45 at St. Michael's, Jesus Christ is personally waiting for you back in that room. You can go have a personal encounter with him in a way that no one else can. Pretty awesome, huh? That's an amazing privilege. That's something really to rejoice over. And that, my brothers and sisters, is made possible through the Incarnation, which we anticipate with great joy today on Gaudete Sunday. Anticipate that Christmas mystery of the Incarnation. So, my brothers and sisters, let us not take for granted our our Catholic Christian faith and, and Jesus and the sacraments in the Church, but let's rejoice in them.